Well, awesome. How is everybody? Wow. Let's try that again. How is everybody? Fantastic. Well, we do have David Hall that will be coming in to speak at our Catalyst Conference this coming weekend. And uh, David Hall has spoken at a church that maybe you are familiar with, Hillsong. Uh, their music has spread all around the world, and they're planting churches all over the world. So he is a, is a quality guy, a fantastic speaker. He is funny, uh, but he is going to be speaking about the Holy Spirit. And if you want to be a catalyst in life, if you want to create change wherever you go, and we are called to make change, that is part of our responsibility as being Christians on the earth, then you have to be in touch and understand the role of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. So I challenge you, if you know youth or young adults that need to be part of this conference, you need to get them here. Okay, let's try that again. If you know youth and young adults that need to be here, let's get them here. All right. Come on. I know what happened. The Huskers didn't play. You guys aren't excited. I know what this is about. So uh, this message, um, my work, his work, is probably uh, something that I'm really passionate about. It has been my journey uh, walking with the Lord, never knowing really what I possessed in ability or talent. Or what have you. I have wrestled with this. And most of this has been birthed out of. If I'm being very honest. Pain. Uh, because I didn't understand. The, the way that God made me. I didn't understand what he made me to do. And so. Um, it is my desire that every person. Discovers their purpose. In this life. And to live it fully. And so a lot of this message. Is just a high arcing overview. Um, it, it's not going to be tremendously detailed, but it's just going to, we're going to focus on three different areas, but it is as a pastor, it is my heart's desire that you walk in everything that God has for you, that you walk in your purpose. You understand your gifts and your talents, your abilities, that you make an impact in this life and the life to come. And so, um, I pray as we go through, you may have to listen to this message several times. There, there are some messages that I listen to three, four, five, six times just because the content in it is rich and I want to make sure that I'm understanding it and applying it to my life. So um, I just encourage you guys stay with me today, but know that this is something that's really important to me and I, I believe that it's very important to the Lord as well. So let's start with Genesis 2.15. It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And then Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to speak to your people. And I pray, God, that through your Holy Spirit, that you would enlighten us and that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us, God. But I I pray that there would be a revelation that there's so much more and that you created us on purpose, with purpose, and for purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I heard a quote by Dr. Tim Elmore who uh, has worked with John Maxwell. John Maxwell, the great uh, leadership guru and, and changed the face of leadership in some ways. And he, he had a statement, and I took a variation of that and just uh, created a message out of it. And basically, there are three different areas that we want to focus on today. And that 
I, I know there are people who are who are older and there are people who are younger. There are people who have been working all of their life and there are people who are just getting started. And so that some of you know exactly what God created you to be and others you have no clue what God created you to be. And so hopefully this is an overview that regardless of where you are in the process in your walk with God, you can begin to discover what God has placed in you. That is my desire. And you got to understand for the rest of my life, I will give it so that people can find their purpose because I know what it's like not to know. So we're going to break it down in, into this, a framework with three thoughts. What is your passion? So what makes you come alive? Number two, what were you designed for? What, what do you possess? What were you designed for? What did God create you for? What do you, what do you have on the inside of you? Gifts, talents, and abilities for design. And then three, what is God's greatest need? What is God's greatest need that you recognize that you need to make a change? Okay. So let's first, let's look at that scripture in Genesis 2.15. Okay. Adam is created and he is put in perfection in the garden of Eden. Sin has not taken place. And yet God gives him a responsibility, even though it's perfect, that that shows us that we were designed with purpose in mind. So I know a lot of people, your, uh, your, your idea of, of heaven on earth would be to retire and sit on the beach, right? But really, we were created to live our lives on purpose and to make a difference. And boy, I'd love to make a difference on the beach, but you know, it may not work out that way. So some of the reasons why we work, okay, purpose, provision, we, we learn skills and abilities, we impact and influence. So regardless of whether you're the lowest person on the totem pole or the highest, you still have an impact and you still have influence above you and beneath you. Okay. And then identity and self-worth. You know, one of the, the, the biggest times I struggled is when I lost a job and I wasn't sure what to do next. Because for men, especially, I think identity is so closely related to what they do, right? For women, you guys are always doing. I, you're cleaning the house, you're cooking, you're taking care of the kids, you're just all kind of stuff. And I, I think you have a better understanding of identity in some ways than men. Um, but work was not given for punishment. It wasn't. And I think sometimes we approach uh, work is punishment, or we, we uh, go to work and we think, man, I, I don't enjoy what I do. But work is supposed to be the vehicle of purpose and provision. Not just provision, but purpose. You're supposed to be doing what you were created to do. So when we talk about vocation, vocation is, is what we do, right? So if somebody walks up to you and they go, what, what vocation do you have? They're asking you, what do you do for money? What do you do to make money? But really, vocation originally was a Christian concept, and it was, who are you and what do you do with it? So vocation was more is, how are you living your life for God on the earth? And then it became secularized to more of a, how do you make money? So people want to live what they were created to be and do, right? Don't you want to do what you were created to do? Don't you want to live that out? It's a gift that God has placed inside of us. So my vocation 
is a pastor and his ministry. But the way that I do that is going to be different than other pastors. Because I have a personality. I have a makeup. I have passion. I don't wear makeup. I have a makeup. And I, I'm going to do it differently than the way other pastors do it. Okay? Um, so I love helping people. I can look back over my life and I've always enjoyed helping people. I like to solve problems. I love to solve problems. Sometimes, Pastor Raphael and I, we create problems. And that's fun too. But we really like, I like to solve problems. I love to create. I love helping people grow. I do. I love it. I love moving people. I love getting large amounts of people and finding out a problem. And let's go solve that problem. And let's go find out the next thing that we can do. And I love helping people discover God and their identity. Those are things that, that I absolutely love. It makes me who I am. So my question to you is, what is your passion? First question, what is your passion? When I speak of passion, I'm not talking about emotion only, right? Because emotions run out. I'm speaking of decision. What do you wake up? And you go, this is what I'm about. It's the one thing that stays with you. Um, it's responding to need. It's sacrifice. It involves suffering. Some of you guys are passionate about prayer, right? And you're willing to suffer, get up early in the morning to pray. That's connected to passion. Others of you, you enjoy exercise. So you'll get up early or you'll push yourself in order to get in shape. There's other things that, that you know with passion involved, you're willing to suffer a little bit. I love equipping people, helping people, developing people. I love pulling out the best in people. And I love helping people get unstuck. That's what I'm passionate about. Passion is a clue and it provides perspective. It actually gives direction. See, I love helping people, but I'm not good at fixing cars. Right. But some of you guys are very passionate about fixing things. That's part of the makeup that God has given you and part of the, the direction that you need to go in. If you're passionate about it, some are good with numbers. Some are good with teaching. You know what I'm saying? Some are good with people. So your passion, God's design, God's greatest need. Um, I remember like Carissa is is very passionate about worship. She listens to podcasts. She'll listen to uh, songs. She will go to a, a school setting so that she can learn. She listens to the science behind worship, what it does on, on levels that most people don't understand. And she does it all the time. And it's not to become a better singer. It's because she's a worshiper. And she's passionate about worship. And everything she does, her life revolves around worship because of who she is. And she's passionate about it. When you're passionate about something, it's not a big sacrifice if you're doing it or pursuing it, right? I remember um, Pastor Drew, you know, how many know that he can sing? Pastor Drew is our junior high pastor. He can sing. He's got a great voice. And he would come up when we were lacking a male vocalist. He would come up and he would sing. And, but he was also on staff as a junior high pastor, our, our middle school pastor. And I can remember him going, man, I understand I'm helping the team, but I would rather be with our students. The difference was he could do this job, but his passion was for the students. 
right? And there's a lot of people, you're doing things that you can do, but that you're not passionate about. And the goal in this life is to live in your passion. Okay. And notice that a lot of your passions can be in different fields. So I can help people in ministry. I can help people in business. I can help people in the marketplace. I can help people here uh, serving in, in any capacity. So sometimes they go to different fields as well if you're passionate about one thing. Um, I, I'll tell you the other thing. So I enjoy helping people. Um, I'm passionate about people discovering their purpose, but I'm passionate about words. I love words. Ever since I was a kid, man, I used to read like crazy. I still read like crazy, but I love words. And it was only a couple of months ago that I began to discover this pattern. And so um, words have always captivated me, but it's more than just words. I have been moved by what they convey. Stories that moved me to tears. Poems have caused me to think. Lyrics reveal a new way to see. Trailblazers who share the depths of their hearts and souls and illuminate dark places hidden from truths of which I was unaware. Emotions brim to the surface with words, anger, love, passion, purpose, pain, fear, anxiety, peace, destiny. Words are powerful. They are contagious and they're mesmerizing for me. We carry words in our thoughts. They mark our souls. For better or worse, we replay them, we put them to the music in our heads, and we replay those words over and over and over again. For me, words are powerful. The Lord said, let there be, and there was. Your words hold power. So I love words written, spoken, or sung. They reveal, they heal, they sting, and they wound. There is power in words. They paint pictures. They elevate and they crush. They reproduce. They give life. They kill and they mar. Music has moved me lyrically because of what they are conveying on levels levels that other people don't don't seem to get. I've heard emotion spoken through the words of somebody else that other people don't hear either. Words help me to feel, to share, to convey And to inspire. I'm passionate about words. And my question to you is what are you passionate about? If you can't identify your passion. Then you're probably struggling in what you're created to do. And the question you have to begin to ask is what. What am I really passionate about? More than emotion. The theme that runs through your life. The threads that run through your life you can begin to discover one of the areas or the directions that God wants you to live out. So what are you passionate about? Number two, what is your design? What gifts, what talents, what abilities, what natural inclinations do you possess on the inside of you? It's like kind of buying a house and it all... It already has furniture in it, but you never visit the other rooms. That's how sometimes we treat our lives. You have to take self-inventory. What do you possess? What is it there for? How are you going to use it to develop or, or help people? And just because you are designed to do something does not mean you are ready to do something. I'm going to say it again. 
Because we live in a culture, right? We live in a culture of instant. I want to be a millionaire now. I want to be successful now. I want to do it now. It's not the way God works. And I, I, for the life of me, I can't understand why people want to be on this stage. And I mean that in, in the most, do you know pastors are burning out at an epidemic rate? Do you know what happens when you stand on this stage? It'll crush you. I'm telling you. It is, it is unlike anything. I don't want to be up here. It is, it is my call that I'm here. I have avoided the stage all my life, but I can't seem to get away from it. So you have been designed to do something. You are a prototype, which means you have some flaws, but you also have some things that, that are undiscovered inside of you that need to be developed. So, you know, I, I, I was reading, um, uh, an article that talked about things that were just were discovered by accident, right? Things that the military wanted to create. They found that it was, it was useful for something else like post-it notes, right? And it became this thing that people use all around the world by mistake where well, there are things inside of you that are undiscovered that God has placed inside of you. And part of your responsibility in this life is to discover what God has made you to be and do. I'm also, and I did this for many, many years. I was always looking on the outside of me, trying to figure out what I could get out there to add value to my life when what I was missing is understanding what was inside of me. We do that all the time. If I can get over there, I'll be happy. If I can uh, take this class, I'll be happy. But it's not. It's about discovering what God has placed inside of you. In order to know your design, you have to know the designer. Because God has made you on purpose, very intentionally. Now, we are not designed to do everything, okay? You can't do everything, and that's not a bad thing. Have you ever thought about if you could do anything and everything in the world, what would you do? I remember when my son was like four years old, I would say, okay, buddy, we're going to get you a toy. I'd take him to the toy department, and he would walk back and forth At four, he's having a hard time making a decision. Well, sometimes God limits what you're able to do so that you'll focus on what you were created to do. And don't despise what you were made, the way that you were made. It actually has this unique quality and purpose in its design. Okay. Stewardship is necessary for you to understand your design. Does everybody know what stewardship is? Stewardship is where you are given something to be responsible for. So in your teen years, we just hope and pray to God that you'll clean your room. Just occasionally throw the covers on the bed. Don't even make it. Just put the on the bed. That's process. That's stewardship, right? But as you get older, you're given more responsibility in life. And how you steward that, how you steward what's on the inside of you, how you steward your attitude, how you steward your gifts, that's all part of the preparation process for the future. Okay? So stewardship is absolutely essential for you to discover your design. So stewardship can be broken down into into two things. Number one, you are becoming who you are. How, How many know that God already knows who you're supposed to be? Right? He already knows it. He knows who you're supposed to be. 
And so part of this discovery phase, phase as you're taking care of things, as, as you're kind of the low person, you know, and everybody gives you the grunt work and everybody gives you the stuff, nobody else, you're actually becoming who God wants you to become if you'll do it right. So in this, in this phase, you're learning what you possess and why you possess it. Psalm 139 talks about how God, um, he ordained your days. He fashioned your days. That's the same connotation of when um, God took the dust of the earth and created Adam. He fashioned Adam from the ground. He actually has fashioned your days. Not only the numerical number, the number of your days, but he's actually in there the things that you can discover, the things that you can do, the things that he has planned for you. Right? And when you're unaware, sometimes you don't pursue that. But when you understand that you were created on purpose, with purpose, and for purpose, it changes things. Now there's an intentionality of how I'm supposed to live so that I can discover what God has for me and through me. And I know there are seasons. There are seasons. You, you have kids. You experience loss. Somebody dies. You lose a job. There's a season where, you know, your life or your dreams or your purpose may be put on the shelf. And I understand that. We've gone through that. But that is only supposed to be a season. There are times when God will actually take you in an opposite direction of where you think you should be moving. Right? Because there's always stuff that he adds to you in the process. And so my question, especially to my older people here, have you stopped your discovery process? Have you stopped asking God what he has for you? Have you stopped growing in your gift or your talent or your ability? Have you stopped looking for how to give it away? You know, you can either retire, you know, put new tread on and keep going, or you can retire. And the question's up to you. What you do with it. For me, I want to go until I go. <laughs> I want to go until I die. Right? I want to give life away as much as I possibly can. God is equipping you as he positions you. Every, every phase of your life, he is adding value to you. And he's equipping you as he positions you. And he is the master designer he knows what you need to go through in order for you to have the good things that he wants to develop. Here's something that you need to understand, and it is, an, it is epidemic. Quit measuring yourself with somebody else. Listen, part of your design is unique. There will never be another one like you. Not just from a spiritual sense, from a DNA sense, there will never be another like you. Never. And so that means the journey that you're on and the path that God selects for you will be individual as well. That's why you can't, you know, look to the, the left or to the right and go, well, they're doing it this way. And I'll give you an example in scripture. Okay. Peter is being restored by Jesus. And he begins to tell him, Peter, you're, you're going to die for me. Somebody's going to take you by the hands and lead you where you don't want to go. And Peter automatically goes, what about John? Right? 
And Jesus said, what I do with John is between me and John. So what God does in your life and the path that he has you on is going to be unique and individual to you. But know that it is by his design for your design. And I have found that people who did great things with God went through seasons of preparation. I'm going I'm to take you through a couple of those now. Joseph was learning to be an official even though he was a slave and even though he was incarcerated. Moses was being a shepherd when God called him because he would be a shepherd in the desert. Peter was a fisherman who became a fisher of Gideon was still threshing wheat, hiding when God called him to thresh the enemy. And so every season of your life, you're learning and becoming your and, and growing in your design for the next season of your life. Practice becomes the birthplace of growth and discovery. Okay, number two. Second part of design. Design part two. So you're learning who you are, but part two is he is removing who you believed yourself to be. A lot of us struggle with our identity. We struggle with stuff that happened when we were a kid. We struggle with lies. We struggle with hurts. We define ourselves by what we're not. We define ourselves by our failures. That is part of the process that God wants to remove. You cannot step into the next season of your purpose until you begin to understand who you are. Okay? I'm going to give you a scripture verse. Proverbs 30, 21 and 22. And it says, there are three things that, the, that make the earth tremble. No, four, it cannot endure. A slave who becomes a king. The mentality of a slave will not treat the people well if they remain in that kind of mentality as a king. That's why position cannot, cannot give you identity. You have to have identity before you get position. That is why you have to know your identity in Christ, not in what you do. But here's the thing. If you begin to understand your identity, what you do will be so much better. Because you're, you're tapping into what God says about you. Are you with me? Okay. Um, discovery of your identity is the key to the next season of life. It is in this season that God is making you who he knows you to be, but you don't quite get. And he must reveal himself to you for this to happen. David is a great example. Okay. So, uh, God sends Samuel, the prophet, the nation of Israel. And he says, I have chosen for myself from Jesse, one of his sons, I have chosen for myself a king. Samuel shows up. There are six men that come before him, six sons. And the first one is strapping. He's tall. He's good looking. And Samuel with his eyes said, that's the one. And God said, that's not the one. You look at the outside. I look at the inside. And so six sons come before uh, Samuel. And God says, I've chosen none of them. And there was one who was tending the sheep. And uh, Samuel turned to Jesse and said, do you have any other sons? And he said, the youngest is out there tending the sheep. Do you know what youngest means? Worthless one. 
Somebody who doesn't bring anything to the table. Maybe because of his age, I don't know. God chose a worthless one. But here's what God did. He removed him from that household and made him who he was by tending the sheep. Taught him his identity. Gave him a responsibility. Helping him to discover through process what God had made him to be. And it gets better. David was learning to be king while being a shepherd because one day he would be shepherding God's people as king. What you're not faithful with now will hurt you later. David spent time with the sheep. So listen to this. Listen to how God works in process. He's not wasting your life. He's teaching you in this moment. He learned how they acted, what they needed, their limitations. He knew how fearful they would be and how they would need to be led. He understood that the shepherd would have to lay down his life on behalf of the sheep because they were basically helpless without a leader. God compares us to sheep. David was being prepared to be a shepherd king years before he even knew it would be part of his call. Who are you becoming? See, God's got the design, but who are you becoming right now? The sheep were more than a temporary job. How you are acting and thinking on the job site now determines who you will be in the future. These sheep were his training ground, his apprenticeship. It was the foundational place where he would develop into a warrior poet and a shepherd king. A man who is willing to lay down his life for sheep would also be a fierce protector of those God had said were made in his image. God knew David would lay down his life for his people. But it all began because he would take care of the sheep. My question, in your design right now, are you being faithful where you are? If you're not, then out there won't solve anything. Because when you go out there, you're still going to be the same person over there that you are right here. Well, this is really good. But thank you. Listen, I've spent my whole life, you just don't know I've spent my whole life for this. Because I thought I was worthless. I thought I did not have a gift or a talent or an ability. For nine years on staff, I'm going, God, you made me wrong. So when I'm preaching this message, I'm preaching what I know. Not what I heard, not what I think, it's what I know. So if you will not go through the process, you will not go to your next position. And if we try to shortcut the process, the more we begin to move against the very things needed to develop us. Time is crucial. Learning is essential. Difficulty is a training ground. Uncertainty creates opportunities for growth. The need for help to be taught and discipled. Just because you don't know something doesn't mean God has abandoned you. It's a chance to grow, to learn, to ask. It is why God will not let us know the process ahead of time. Because as humans, we avoid pain and we will not go through it if we know. Jamie George in Poets and Saints said this, said this. We are all limited in varying degrees, but that does not have to squash our innate drive to uniquely create, to make a difference or to affect change. There's a pastor in Los Angeles, his name is Erwin McManus, and he just basically said that everything in art, 
You have a medium and you have an artist. So if you choose to work with stone or wood or paint, you, you have a limitation based on what you've been given to work with. And the artist also has a limitation. Their gift set, how they produce, they may not be as good as other people. But he said, you can't look at life through your limitations because what happens if you begin to look at your limitations, you're going to put your focus on everything that it, it, you wish it would have been. But God in his wisdom gives limitations so that you'll put your focus on what you do have. If you'll put your focus on what God has given you and be the best that you can be and develop the gifts and talents, you'll make a, a bigger impact. Quit trying to be what you are not and focus on being what you are. Embrace your God-given design and limitations. Discover your design. God did not make you wrong. Can I tell you something that has come from my struggle and my pain? We are working right now, and this is exciting for me. I wish somebody would have done this for me in my 20s. We are working on a purpose retreat where we actually take people through process to begin to discover what God has placed inside of them, how people see them, their gifts, their talents, their abilities, so that when they walk out, they have a better understanding and idea of what God has created them to do and be. All from pain. All from not knowing. Are you living your design? Listen, my kids, our youth, need you to live out your design. They need you to give away what you have. They need to be mentored. They need to be challenged. They need to be held accountable. All those things. But if you're not living your design, you're dropping the ball because they're watching you. And I need you to live out your purpose and your design. Number three, what is God's greatest need? So we've got passion. We've got design. But what is God's greatest need? I'm going to tell you this. Most people want to ask this question. God, what do you need? Because as soon as you ask that question, you're afraid that God's going to mess up your plan or God's going to send you to the far, farthest corners of the world when in reality, it would actually position you to what he created you to be. So if you want to find out what your purpose is, ask him, God, what do you need? Everything in my life that has brought value and developed me has been behind my nevers. Never would be a Christian. Okay, got that one. Never go to Bible school. Number two, never be in ministry. Who wants to be a pastor? That's insane. Check. Never be a youth pastor. And can I tell you that in this last year, God has begun to unveil the reason why I'm alive. And it's not just you. But I had to obey and follow through and trust God with my life. And in his kindness, he's begun to reveal it. So sometimes behind your fear is the very purpose you were created. God knows your purpose and why you are here. You are equipped you were fashioned, you were provided a time frame, placed in time and space, given a family, and he chose where you would be born and when you would be born. 
God's greatest need will only be accomplished by people who know their passion and their design, their gifts, their talents, abilities, and their identity, and will will dare to ask God what he needs. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. Do you know what workmanship means? It's poema. It's where we get our word poem from. We are his poem on this earth. We are his artistry. We are his handiwork. When the world looks at the church, when the world looks at Christians, they're actually looking at what God has designed and put greatness in. Do you live your life that way? And I think it's really interesting that God designed us to work and he is still working on us. Can you hear the words of the poet calling you? You are God's poem. You are his artistry. You are his masterpiece. You are his handiwork. You are not a knockoff and you are not a copy. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. My challenge is for the people that have stopped to re-engage. Maybe you feel like your dreams died. Maybe you feel like life kind of threw you off. And I want you to begin to ask the Lord again to revive what he made you to be. Others in in here, I remember when I was in my 20s, if I would have heard a message like this, I would have been so angry because I had no clue what God made me for. I I believe that was a mistake. But you're not. You were made on purpose, with purpose, and for purpose. God was very intentional. For others in here, you have no relationship with God. You have no understanding that God selected you, chose you before the foundations of the world, died for you, and wants to live his life in you wants to forgive you of your sins. I'm going to ask our altar team to come forward at this time. If you know you need to receive prayer, maybe some of you need to re-engage with what God wants to do in and through you. Some of you guys have avoided asking, God, what do you need? Because you're afraid of the answer. This morning, you need to revisit that. Others of you, you need to go away and really take some inventory. What am I passionate about? Steward your life well. And others of you, you just need to give your life to the Lord this morning. In just a minute, we're going to give you that opportunity to come forward and pray. I just want to pray over you. Father, thank you for the men and women in this room. And God, it is no accident that they are here today. I pray, God, that you would challenge them. Holy Spirit, that you would convict them. I pray, God, for those that don't know you, that you would save them. And I pray, God, that you would raise up a generation who are so passionate in wanting to be and do what you have called them and place them in, in, in space and time to do. And God, don't let them waste another day, another month, another year, but help them to discover what they were here for. We bless you. We thank you. We love you. And we ask, God, that you do your work right now in Jesus' name. Amen.
So if any of you need to respond, you need to pray, I'm going to ask that you do that now. If you need to give your heart to the Lord this morning and you know you're backslidden or you, you've never given your heart to the Lord, you need to come forward and tell somebody. Church, we love you. We believe in you. And the greatest days of your life, we believe, are ahead of you. Pursue what God has called you to do in Jesus' name. Amen.